I'm going to preface this by stating that I personally believe that it is no one's place to determine human value. Not necessarily that it's inherent, but that we cannot predict the the value that a person will ultimately have uh, towards the world. And, and in some way, we have no means by which to measure it because the effect of a person's life on the world is so magnificent in many cases, uh, you know, even in just small butterfly effect kind of ways. You know, the world is a chaotic place. Uh, variables are constantly bouncing off of one another. No one can keep track of it all. And I think it's very important to to understand just how far away we are from having enough data to really completely understand why like what works, what works for humanity, what would make the most sense for us to do. Coming to an agreement on that is the hardest thing in the world. And it's kind of amazing how it seems like people have lost sight of that as like a, any kind of goal. You know, it seems as though, uh, you know, everybody's mentality is just kind of like, well, um, you know, those guys are wrong, and if they would fucking get their shit together, then everything would be fine, you know? Like, our side completely gets it, we know exactly what to do and what's going on, those people are just idiots and won't listen to reason. That's literally what I hear from both sides. It's identical, like, the, 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 the ways that people talk about their opponents politically or in terms of just really any any kind of like massive social disagreement is like if that moron would just think correctly then uh we would all we would all be through this but like everybody just kind of thinks they have the answer already but it's like if you did wouldn't it be so convincing that the other side would have to listen? Like, do you not think that anybody is listening to one another's arguments at all? Because it really seems like people think that they are diametrically opposed when they're really, like, barely on opposite sides of the same coin. So to explain what I mean, there have been times on this show where I have called people like Dick Masterson or, uh, or Ralph from the Ralph Retort liberals. Um, and the reason for that is that they are so insanely close to being the exact same ideologically as the people that they argue with that it's like the only the most minute differences that they are like so intensely passionate about. And in their minds, it's not minute because they are hot button issues are like things that these people really care about but it's like just those one or two or three issues like that's it everything else about their entire life is practically the same like the american experience the the places where it's the most different from everywhere else are like new york and la which are like their own pocket dimensions and they have like a lot of influence on Everything around them in, in like a certain shape, you know, like the whole West Coast is influenced by, you know, L.A. and California in general. And the whole Upper East Coast is influenced by New York because the people from New York come and go from there to everywhere in the Upper East. But like, nonetheless, anywhere else that I've been is virtually the same. And like, it's either more suburban or more rural 
Um, but everybody kind of has a, a vague understanding of what, I mean, the super rural communities, the ones that are like really fucking out there, you know, they don't even comprise enough of the population of the country to really like register culturally. They are like, again, pocket dimensions, not unlike those massive cities, but like most of America, even the bigger cities, they, they aren't so big. They're not like, I mean, New York and LA are like completely different in scale compared to other large American cities. Like it's, uh, you know, considering I've been to most of them in terms of at least flying over them, uh, flying in and out of airports all over the place. And like, you know, I mean, Detroit, not Detroit, uh, fucking, oh no, uh, the other one, the other one with the big airport, Chicago is pretty scary as well in terms of its like scope, but, um, it doesn't seem to have the cultural distinctness of, uh, of New York and LA in the same way. I mean, it, it is its own thing, but it's also just like very Midwestern American. It's not like that off from most of America. And like, it's, it's also strange because Within any of these places, like, again, New York and L.A. are decidedly more liberal than most of the rest of the country. But in any other place, it's not as though, um, you know, again, if we're talking about, like, super small communities, they're probably almost all, like, you know, one way or the other, more likely Republican. But uh, there are, you know, small, like, weird hippie commune kind of things that I would imagine skew the other way. But, like, in the average American suburban city that it comprises most of what we would consider middle America. Um, it's a, it's like an almost even mix in most places. Like it skews maybe 10% to one side, but like most American cities are not like dominantly one or the other political ideology. And most of the people, again, they're not really that different ideologically. They live in the same places. They do the same things. They are around each other all the time. They might go to different concerts, uh, but, like, you know, they are right there next to each other. These people mostly feel the same way about most things. And I would even say that this goes all the way up to, like, you know, to upper class. Like, anything short of straight up being upper class, um, those people have very similar experiences. And unless you are, like, seriously upper class, you probably have friends who are of a lower class than you, you know. So, like, I would think that most people have a pretty solid understanding of what's going on in America for people other than themselves. Because they are seeing it and... I think that they just mostly disagree. And it's not that they that some of them have seen some of the right stuff and some of them have seen too much of the wrong stuff. It's that like they they've all just seen whatever they've seen. You know, like they've just heard whatever they've heard. They know what they happen to know from growing up, being around people who have, you know, whatever ideologies happen to surround them and hearing whatever ha news sources they happen to hear. And, uh, you know, all of their perspectives are skewed. But none of them are skewed because they have all of the information 
and came to a decision based on that. But they're also not skewed because they only ever hear their one side and have never listened to the other side because, again, those people are there. They're out and about. You have to encounter them. You have to work with them. You have to live near them. We the sides talk to each other. The The arguing on Facebook wouldn't happen if they weren't all seeing each other. They are hearing the arguments. They just don't agree. And it's so funny because both sides are so... They just, they, they go to such extremes to paint it as a, a sided issue when like they're so barely different and it, it would just, it's like if you would, if you would slow down the passion and, and slow down the thinking that people who feel differently from you are literally from another fucking planet and just actually talk to them, then you can have a conversation in which Either one of you changes your mind or you recognize at the very least that there is a logic behind what they're saying that you do not agree with. Not that they are fucking aliens who, who are thinking about nothing, but just simply that you're, you, you've both looked at some kind of data, you've come to different conclusions about that data, and you can compare your data and decide whose data is stronger and, you know, you can say, you can maybe think, okay, well, this person is just being thick-headed because I fucking showed them the truth and they are not listening. And that's definitely going to happen. I'm not saying people are reasonable. I'm just saying, in fact, I'm saying no one's reasonable. That's my point, is that no one's reasonable at all or else this would be very easy. It would be very easy to just sit down and have, like, a hash out just, like, calmly the the you know those things those elements that we disagree on you know like let's take abortion debate right like at what point does a human being develop rights that's the question that is the question that has to be answered there is nothing more to it sit down and suss it out when do you think when do you think you know does the the does the baby only have right to life after it's been ejected from the vagina does it have to have a formed brain? Where where are we going to make the distinction? That's just what it comes down to. Uh, is it going to be, you know, there's only so much logic and so much, like, there is no logical answer, in fact. Like, it's purely an emotional answer. Like, whatever we, I, I guess the most logical answer would be to uh, kill them at any, kill any person at any time for being determined useless to society. You know, that would be the human computer way of doing things. That would be the psychopaths, you know, uh, dominator to your head for fucking breaking the code, uh, for having a out of control psychopath. You know, that's the human computer way of regulation. So if we don't want that, you know, if we don't want Maddox out there saying I'm, I'm for po post term abortions, um, then you have to, Literally just draw a line in the sand and everybody's got to, you know, decide to agree on that line. And like, you can't look at the other side as being unreasonable about their take on it because again, all of it's unreasonable. It's all the decision to make it so people don't, it cannot be killed is purely based on the decision that we made that humans have intrinsic value. They just have it. Why? Because we can't prove they don't. Because it's too complicated. We don't have a computer powerful enough. That was the point of Psychopaths, was that the computer 
literally took over by claiming to be objective, to be like, oh, I have all the data. We understand how humans work perfectly so we can just sort you out and we've got it, dude. It's fucking sick. But then the truth is that they just have a collection of brains that have, that all are like really smart. But like if a brain shows up that, that proves that they, their system is flawed, then they just have to add that brain to their network and they go, oh, well, you know, well, you know, we were, we were less correct then, but we're more correct now. And, uh, but you know, they can't literally, if the population knew that, then the system would not work. It can only work on a bed of lies and, and, you know, to suggest that, that this obviously imperfect system is close enough to perfect that they are allowed to judge whether people get to live or die that is the the point of psychopaths because for them to even make that judgment they're like precluding the possibility of brains that could be added or people who might be understood once they add this new brain and those people might be taken care of so they lost their chance just because the data wasn't correct at that time when it might have been six months later you know like that's literally why we can't just kill people off like we don't know who will be useful when we don't know like what if what if like you know people who currently we have in mental hospitals are going to be the only ones who can understand the alien language when they finally land you know like that's why we don't kill people theoretically now i am not in a position of very much buying power to determine the worth of other people i can't uh, automatically protect people um, just as a matter of course with my own personal strength like I can uh, I have enough money that maybe I could put up somebody in my house uh, maybe a couple people in my house and feed them and you know like let them live rent free just to preserve their existence regardless of who they were if that was the way I really felt, that all life is precious and I personally am going to task myself with protecting the lives of as many people as I can just as a matter of course regardless of who they are. Let's say that I made that determination. Well, I can only – I only have enough money for two, you know. So – like, I have the power to take care of, like, three people and ensure their ability to live in the current society as it functions um, with the with, with my current standing. Now, I, maybe I could work harder and be able to support, like, five or six people. Or maybe I could create some kind of superstructure like a business or a corporation that allows, you know, like, such a wealth to pour into me that I can that I can support even more people, you know, this is what a government is, a government is a, a superstructure of, you know, collected uh, social capital, I guess we'll say, I don't know, power, just to use a general term, uh, a collection of power um, to take care of people just as a basis of their life, and so our government decided that all people are allowed to live, you are automatically allowed to live, um, you're automatically you have liberty, um, which we will define in a, you know some later articles uh, that we will then break consistently and take away from you. Um, and then uh, pursuit of happiness. But like, what does it mean to give someone the pursuit of happiness? Well, basically, it means that you cannot be put into a state of subjugation. Um, obviously this, this made no sense to write this into the constitution when they did it since slavery was a thing and was going to continue to be for like a hundred years. But, uh, you know, uh, 
people were fucking ass backwards. Uh, and people are fucking ass backwards is what I meant to say. So anyway, they, they said life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. All right. Um, well, how do we prevent subjugation? Um, well, it means that you have to prevent anyone from amassing so much power that they can have control over other people's lives. Uh, and we have not prevented that at all <laughs> in America. We, we, we have things like, uh, you know, anti-monopoly measures and antitrust measures to prevent, um, you know, there being no competition whatsoever. But the sky's the limit on what you can pay people to do, how you can encourage people to live using money. And I think that the biggest problem in America is essentially our values. It's, it's just that we do not understand our own value as humans or what is valuable to pursue as humans. And we, almost everyone in America has different ideas of it. And uh, I mean, part of the American dream is that it is nebulous. It is the idea that you can just like, whatever your vision is, you can achieve it. However, the, the narrative of like what, you know, what are attainable or worthwhile goals is entirely controlled by mega corporations, by the people who run the media, by the people who, you know, have the money to pay for the limited amount of space that exists on television, you know, up until satellite existed. Uh, you know, the, the, the limited number of people with the money to distribute a newspaper all the way across the country, you know, like, those are the people maintaining the narrative of what America is, what are its values, and what should you strive for as an American. And it's it's just a shame that, you know, we we as kids, we we are told the fundamental American value of like you can be whatever you want, but it's just that we are only ever suggested things that are essentially worthless to society, you know? And it's because of the fact that we have a nihilistic view on worth because of the fact that there is not enough jobs to occupy the number of people in America. Because as... So let's let's break it down. Let's go down to the foundations of society. Let's Let's pretend that there is no society for a minute. Um, you are a caveman. I, I am a caveman. We'll just make this about me so that it'll be easier. I'm a caveman. I have to hunt to eat. If I want to live, I have to go find things to kill and stuff in my mouth or find berries to eat, pluck off a fucking tree. I have to find shit to eat. And that takes up a lot of time. And it does not free me up with a lot of time to think about how to make things easier for myself. At some point, I might get frustrated with how difficult it is to, like, get a grip on a boar. And so I think, okay, instead of using my hands, I'm going to grab this rock and I'm going to hit it with the fucking rock because that's got grip, you know, because I've touched rocks randomly as I'm exploring, you know, looking for boars. So I grab a rock. I beat this boar to death. I'm like, sick. What if I had this on, like, a stick? Because then it would be, I could throw it. I could use it from a distance. This would be awesome. Spear, bam. So... Let's fucking go kill some boars. It's better than ever. What? Okay, if this worked out so well, 
what other fucking rocks, what other kind of fucking sticks have I thought of? You know, what, what other kind of shit have I seen? I have time to think about that now because I'm killing so much more efficiently. I now can go and say, okay, well, now that I, you know, don't have to hunt fucking six times a day, I can hunt once, get six kills because it takes so much less time. I will use the rest of that time to fucking invent the bow, right? And this is how invention works. Well, there's only so far you can get by yourself. In Dr. Stone, this is the, the the whole message of the first few episodes, is that Senku, who is the, you know, this world genius fucking scientist, uh, he, he wakes up in a world where everyone's been turned to stone and he's the only human being left. And even though he's like a human computer who, who knows, like, every bit of information there is about science and technology, because of the fact that he is so caught up trying to, like, stay alive, it takes him so long to, like, build a shelter, to start experimentation, that, like, months have passed by the time he gets to the point where he has figured out how to wake somebody up, even though it's a very simple process, you know? And then once he has somebody, he is a big, strong guy, who starts doing all the killing and shit for him, he has nothing to worry about, he just sits in his fucking thing, and he invents all this shit, and he figures stuff out right away, bam, that's civilization. So... What is the trade-off? Well, the big strong guy, he, because he is out there hunting and killing, is like, hey, look, you know, just make things easier for me. Just make my hunting easier and I'll keep doing it, you know? Uh, you, you just have to make sure that you spend your time finding ways to make things better for me. You know, don't just sit around and jack off and fuck all the women in the village who are at home while I'm out fucking hunting. And you're like, aces, bro. But of course that guy is going to do those things because he realizes that he's got so much time to sit around and think. He's like, you know what? I could fucking rally all these people together. We could fucking, I could convince them to go kill those other guys because I'll tell them like, oh, if we build our land over there, you know, the gods fucking blessed that land and like, you know, we'll kill all those dudes. Then I'll have access to this water source. Um, once I've got that, I'll be able to build like some kind of contraption that can maybe use the flow of the river to like generate force, you know, like this is the, this is the fucking crazy scheming that's going on in nerd boy's head at home while big, you know, lunk man is out there killing shit. And this is why civilization immediately fails because right away, uh, whoever's smart is just going to take over all the dipshits. However, as long as the dipshits, uh, you know, recognize what's going on, they will immediately go, oh, we're getting fucked over. Well, psh, that guy's dead. You know, that's how fast it happens. And all it takes for that to happen is for there to be another smart guy who wants in on smart guys action. And this is why history is nothing but smart guys backstabbing each other through the use of dumb guys while they control the dumb population and get richer and richer and build bigger and bigger palaces and have uncontrolled egos. And eventually, through generations of accumulated wealth, get to a point where the people in charge are fucking retarded because they it did not have to be the smart guy to find themselves in the position of power. They just 
are the smart guy's son or grandkid or somebody who, you know, may or may not have even been taught anything by his dad or by anybody around, or may have even been mistaught by people while his dad was busy because they knew that he was going to take over the crown and they were going to kill him as soon as his dad was dead and take over for themselves. You know, like it's so easy to backstab each other. It's so easy for all these dark plots to play out. And everybody has these, these short sighted mad grabs for power until we get to a point where there's enough advancement in civilization that even average people might have time to think like even right like if you have enough blue collar work that extends beyond m murder you know like extends beyond going out to fight and kill and and uh, make food or or farm or do whatever kind of things that you know keep your mind occupied all day if you're doing like something comparably normal um you know you might think about stuff or your wife who's sitting at home might think about stuff and tell you about it you know so like cuz they would not probably have the ability to do anything about it in most social circumstances throughout history. But, you know, that's unfortunate. So these, all these people who have had time to think more and come up with bigger and better ideas, they form more advanced societies with more, uh, you know, depth of structure. And there is some level at which I think a, a democratic community is, uh, is not like, a really difficult thing to imagine. I mean, there's plenty of them throughout the country in America. Like there's plenty of small communities that are basically just run. Um, however, you know, be benefits the people who live there. Like they just kind of like the Amish or something, you know, they, they are completely living on their own communities with their own rules. You know, um, if you break the rules, you leave the community, you know, but like if you make a large enough community, like say a country, you have to account for, um, you know, you have to basically make a decision about where the lines are drawn on what people in your country are allowed to be, you know, and you want to set it pretty broad if you want the, 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 the benefits of what America is founded on, which again is the assumption of human worth, the assumption that you cannot predict what mentality, what uh, approach to life is going to lead to the most benefit for people. And so, you know, you should leave people as much to their devices as possible with the hopes that they will have good ideas. And uh, I think that that's, I think it's great that a country like that exists, but it leads to lots of problems because of the fact that it's founded on a concept of individualism, of people being allowed to do whatever process works for them, whether it works for other people or not. And if you get to a point where your uh, process is that you're Jeff Bezos, you basically like own everyone else. Like everyone else's process is sublimated to yours if they want to have a place in your society because there are no other jobs. But that's the thing. We're so fixated on jobs as the way to determine what like value because like money is how we trade and is the main way by which people have power, it would seem. But like there is also tons of power in social connections, tons of ability to get things done in just being like, you know, uh, like a magnetic person or a community leader, you know, like I've met people with no money who are really like who who 
you know, have tons of connections, have tons of friends, have people who will do things uh, with them or for them just as a matter of course because of their relationships, you know? Like, you, I think most of us have, you know, people in our lives with whom we exchange things like our time and, and things of value to us with no expectation of recourse or with the expectation that that recourse comes through emotional gratification of, you know, doing something for someone who you consider to be uh, worthwhile to you. They add value to your life. Ergo, you are willing to put value into their life. That is the, 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 the system here. And again, value does not mean money. It just means whatever has value to you. Um, and I think that, Again, Americans are so fixated on money as the as the 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 thing that drives value because we're fixated on what we can do with money. Like we're thinking about you know, someone like me, I've always been obsessed with making more money because of the fact that I could, you know, uh like pay people to work on bigger projects together, right? Well, Don Jolly doesn't have money. The people who work with him don't have money. They make an amazing magazine. You know, they build it together. It's they they all work on it for free because everybody there is no structure that can provide them with monetary value. There's just like I mean, if and if there is, they haven't found it or haven't sought it or you know, uh are maybe in pursuit of it, but whatever the case may be, you know, it's getting done. It exists and it is good. It is a massive collaborative effort and it is built on the back of empathy. It is built on the back of the shared appreciation that everyone surrounding him has for him and each other and the work that they do. So everyone in that community is participating in something that is a, a larger structure than themselves with no money trading hands, but tremendous value psychological value and a lot of these are people who because they have no money are in situations where that psychological value is what is allowing them to live that is what is getting them through there are a lot of the reason that you know everybody's obsessed with making quarantine content is you know is that we have this sense that like if there's not something out there for people to relate to to connect with who don't have it you know, like if there's even less connection in your life, you are getting less value. You're getting less of these necessary emotional things that will uh, that will help you to live. And for someone like me, who is a borderline computer, I don't really like I don't find myself needing that kind of emotional connection from like a large variety of people or like a lot a large variety of depths of emotional connection like having may in my life pretty much gives me everything i need so i almost don't talk to anybody else so this coronavirus situation is no different for me like life has not changed except that we go out less we order food more because grubhub doesn't charge delivery fees so um you know it's uh it's basically just like it was. I just smoke lots of weed and think about how bad things are. Like, things were already so un... Like, it's hard for me to, like, feel like this is a magnitude worse than things were because things were already fucking horrible, you know? Like, the world's always fucking horrible. So, it's like, until it really, like, affects... Uh, until I start feeling the effects of it more, I guess, it's going to be hard for me to fully appreciate how much worse things really are for people just because again, Virginia is not 
like I think we might technically be on lockdown, but I mean, people are out. Like I don't know what to say. It's been warm, and people have been out. <laughs> so. Um, I mean, it's not like people are being reckless. There hasn't been any protests. Virginia Beach is a very spread out place anyways. Like, if you go for a walk around the block, you're not going to be six feet away from anybody except for maybe when you pass by them on the sidewalk, you know? Like, it's spacious is what I'm trying to say. Um, And so, you know, I just think that there hasn't been as much concern here just because people are like, well, I, I won't. Why would I be within six feet of somebody, you know, just to go to the grocery store? I'll I'll stand in a little farther away, I guess. I don't know. Um, people are wearing masks. There's buffers. You know, that's the biggest differences. But anyways. Oh, fuck. I completely lost my train of thought thinking about the fucking coronavirus. So how do we account for the idea that there are people who provide value that you do not trade money? You you don't you don't, you're you're trading something other than money and these people can provide that. How do we just allow them to live? And for a lot of people the answer is communism. They think, okay, well, if we had it so all means of production are controlled by the government, which means that essentially Anybody doing any kind of essential work is working for the government. Then, uh, and, and everybody, everybody in the country, regardless of whether they work for the government or not, uh, makes an equal wage, and you know, just as equal buying power, um, an equal amount of distrib- distribution of like resources or whatever. Um, then, you know, because of the fact that your livelihood is automatic then if you are not doing an essential job, you are free to do other things. But the question is, how do you prove the value of those other things that you do to the people who are running the machine? Because ultimately, a certain number of people have to run the machine. In order for it to run until the day that automation takes all these jobs away, which is coming sooner than later. Um, and we'll talk about that soon. But the the, the fundamental question behind the, the difficulty that, that people who don't agree with communism have in wrapping their head around it is they, they ask themselves who would work in the factories. Nobody wants to work those jobs. Like there are people who sincerely want to be farmers, who sincerely want to like you know, uh, uh, work off the land and, and, and provide for people, provide for communities. But in a large enough country under communism, like America, which is fucking massive, you would need a lot of people doing those jobs. And currently, people take up those jobs out of necessity. And perhaps enough people would take those jobs out of necessity. But then Nobody, no, there is no necessity under communism, you know, like they, they, there's no, there's no driving force to convince you to go do the menial job unless you are passionate about it. And if you need, let's say 50% of the population to do the menial jobs and only 30% of the population is passionate about doing it, then how are you going to convince another 20% to go and do those jobs when they could do whatever they want? And so there has to be some kind of system by which society judges the value of 
a person in order for communism to work. You have to say like, okay, well, you have to do a job somewhere in this range. Like some amount of your time has to be dedicated to doing this specific thing in order for you to have the rest of your time free. Now, maybe that's a fair ask. It really depends on how much time we're asking here. Like, are we talking about two hours of community service a day or are we talking about eight hours of community service a day? Because you have to run the calculations to answer that. And nobody ever runs these calculations when they're making these arguments. So until I hear that, it's going to be really hard for me to come down on which side I agree with. But theoretically, in my mind, it seems like a lot of work is essential to run the world and like most people would have to work for the government. How do I prove that what I want to do is worthwhile to society? Who determines it? Who's going to be the judge? Everybody? Uh, so is it a popularity contest? Be popular or die? Is that what this is going to come down to? Because that's already the world we live in. But to me, it comes down not to equality of distribution, but just simply to to provide baseline. That's why I'm such a big fan of universal basic income, because it's just literally saying like, this is the minimum amount that we can give you where we know you can have a like a uh, pursuit of happiness, you know, essentially like you will have enough money that if you, you know, manage your life correctly. Now, granted, if we start up UBI tomorrow, not everybody is going to, uh, you know, it's not going to be enough for everybody because a lot of people are in much worse situations. Like, ultimately, its ability to work would, would come more in the long term as people are able to amass wealth, as people have that cushion to keep, you know, reducing the the overhead of whatever is on top of them, whether it be debt or, you know, whatever else is troubling them, you know, reducing that overhead gradually over time until they can potentially enter a period of normality might not be possible for everybody. But for people who are emerging into that system with a clean slate, those people will from the ground running, like from the ground up, always have a life provided for them as long as their parents didn't like fuck them up. And well, I mean, if you're 18, when you start receiving it, you can't even accrue credit card debt yet. So you should not have any debt before you're 18. Um, so yeah, essentially you're starting fresh, hopefully. Um, again, some people are going to fall through the cracks in any system. They already fall through the cracks massively in our current one. So I think this is a better one is what I'm trying to say. I think that, you know, and I'm not saying like uh, Yang was proposing like what a thousand dollars a month, probably not enough. I would say that the, again, we're trying to give people the opportunity to, to pursue value. And uh, it's, it's, uh, yes, there will be people who just live off of this money and do not contribute anything to society. But like in this society, those people would be so ruthlessly shamed because there's no excuse. You literally have the means to live like the UBI would have to always, you know, it would always have to rise to meet whatever is the, the amount necessary to live. It would have to be that that is just the way that this country operates for a long enough time for it to stabilize, you know, that like that we build some kind of different type of economy on the basis of values beyond monetary, you know, 
Um, monetary value still will exist, obviously, and will still be the, a, a purchasing power, but, like, you don't have to go work for Amazon. You don't have to. You don't have to go work for anybody if you make enough to live. You choose who you want to work for, you choose what you want to do with yourself, and you, you know, determine your own future. So... This is the only answer to getting out of the COVID pandemic. And the fucking 1200 Trump gave is not even remotely close to being that. Because that's just an advance on your fucking tax return from next year, which means that that money that you have to buffer you now is just going to not be there to buffer you next year. And also, I don't even get any of that money because I haven't filed my taxes for that year yet. So... You know, this 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 Trump buck situation is not UBI. We need actual universal basic income to make it through the pandemic because of the fact that this is another uh, again, we're talking about people being on two sides of an issue that they're 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 barely apart. And I feel two ways about the coronavirus lockdown. Because on the one hand, obviously being on lockdown will 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 provide well, fewer people will die of the coronavirus. Fewer people will die, period, because the least people um, have ever died in the history of civilization or something like that in the last month. Some weird fucking stat like that. Um, the least percentage of people, I think. So, yeah, like, death rates will be at a minimum. So we'll be preserving more life during this time. Um, there's a better chance of you know, us getting a vaccine done in time for, you know, fewer people to die. But like the, the reality of the fucking coronavirus is that this could be a yearly thing. This could be uh, an evolving virus. It could be that we're going to have to like lock down every fucking year. If we wanted to prevent this thing, we might need new vaccines. Um, it has, it, first of all, you can carry it without displaying any symptoms. Um, theoretically, everybody is going to get it. Like, that was, one of the projections was that, like, you know, without the lockdown, everybody would definitely get it. It just wouldn't kill most people. But, like, if we were to open up at any point, everybody's going to get it. And if it keeps coming back year after year, are we really going to lock down every year? Like, because people are talking about it like, oh, how can you be so heartless about, like, saying, oh, it's ruining the economy. It's not the economy. People don't have work. People can't work. They don't have money. The only people who have money are people who filed their taxes last year and, and, and you know, the government owed them $1,200 that they gave them early, you know, instead of next time. Like, it, it's, you, you can't live off of that. Like, when people start running out of money, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, if you tell people you can't leave your house and they say, there's no food in my house and you say, well... The grocery store is open and they say, I have no money. Then like, what, the, what are they going to do? Do they starve in their house? Are we going to just, I mean, I guess maybe we could have a, you know, just some kind of soup delivery for the poor service. Just give them fucking money. Just give everybody $2,000 every month for the rest of fucking time. And just rebuild the economy around it. That's all you got to fucking do. So that's my take on the coronavirus you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get anybody sick. I don't want to be out and about in the midst of a pandemic. I, uh, you know, 
I am somebody who does my job on the internet anyway, so everybody being inside is actually kind of a benefit to me. It means there are more people indoors watching YouTube, assumably. Um, it is... A lot of people have no money, so I can't really make money from people who aren't making money. You know, people who are, you know, making their money through ad revenue are probably in a much better ship than I am as a Patreon guy, unless I make some some real ad revenue generating videos, which I mean, I wouldn't even make enough, even if I did that to justify that leap. But, you know, the it's just like overall for me it's easy enough to stay inside that I don't mind staying inside for six months or whatever for a pandemic. It just sucks to like, you know, lose the summer, whatever people's lives are at stake. But when people run out of money and food, they're not going to stay inside. They're going to go outside and find money and food. And I just don't, see any way to prevent them from doing that other than just giving them money and food and that's i assume that's just what's going to happen if we decide to keep this lockdown going because it's the only fucking way there's no this people think that this is going to end in like june it's not if you want to prevent the spread of the virus it's going to last a lot fucking longer and it will probably have to happen every so often you know depending on how this thing evolves uh, I think way more people have it and have transmitted it than anybody thinks because of the fact that you can literally carry it with no symptoms for like a while. So, you know, I, I think way more, way more people have had coronavirus than the statistics would have you believe. Because it seems like people with strong enough immune systems, it just feels like they have a flu for a day and a half and then they're fucking fine. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's a way, way worse pandemic than people are giving it credit for. Um, it, it's way worse than the numbers are going to show. China has been lying about their numbers since like January. So their numbers are completely fucking skewed. They're only now finally like padding them back in because America pulled support for the WHO, which was entirely uh, fucking under China's control. If you're not fucking following China Uncensored, man... And you just don't know what's going on with China, man. It's fucking crazy, man. Anyway, uh, Bill Gates did COVID. I'll talk about that on the next one. Um, Dervish done. Okay. That season two of the Whirling Dervish is coming at you, baby. What do you got to say? Season two. Season three. What? What?